Before we get going, here's the bit where I remind you that nothing we discussed should be considered as investment advice. This conversation is for informational and hopefully entertainment purposes only. So while we hope you find it both informative and entertaining, please do your own research or speak to a financial advisor before putting a dime of your money into these crazy markets. You're about to listen to a special preview edition of the Grant Williams podcast featuring my special guest, Michael Oliver of Momentum Structural Analysis. Michael's work charting momentum has been remarkably good at calling major turning points in markets. And a couple of recent updates he's released showing just how broad-based a shift in market momentum has become inspired me to ask him to join me on this podcast. As you'll hear, the broad deterioration in market structure signals a potentially dramatic about term for investors. You can find out more about Michael's work at olivermsa.com And if you contact him, mention my name and ask nicely, I'm sure he'll send you the reports I reference in this excellent conversation. Every episode of the Grant Williams podcast, including The Endgame, The Super Terrific Happy Hour, The Narrative Game, and the brand new series This Week in Doom, is available to copper and silver tier subscribers at my website, grant-williams.com. Copper tier subscribers get access to all the podcasts, while members of the silver tier get both the podcast and my monthly newsletter, Things That Make You Go Hmm. So, if you enjoy what you hear on the show and you want more high-quality content like it, please make your way over to grant-williams.com and join our exciting community today. And with that, please enjoy the show. Michael, welcome to the podcast, mate. It's been a long time since we've seen each other in person. For reasons I'll get into shortly, I've, I felt like it was a, a very sensible time to have a proper catch up with you and uh, and hopefully give people a sense of who you are and what you do. So so thanks for taking the time to do this. This is great. So look, um, what I'd love to start with is there'll be people listening to this that, that aren't familiar with your work. So I really want to give people a sense of what you try to measure, how you try to measure it, and and the reasons that you decided to go down that road. Because I've spent a lot of time over the years looking at analysis, and and I have to say, yours has always, since I've very first found it, been very unique to me. If you can uh, have gradations of unique, which I don't think you can, but anyway, we'll leave that argument for another day. So perhaps just give us a, a backstory of your methodology, how you came to it, and MSA in general. I think that would be a, a great platform to build from. Sure. I was in the futures markets as a broker with E.F. Hutton in 1975. That's where I began. My background was political philosophy, so I knew nothing about technical analysis whatsoever. But I did know about gold. Gold was legalized in January of that year, traded on the COMEX, and it happened to be that the head of the E.F. Hutton Commodity Division in New York was also chairman of the COMEX. Got him, David Johnston. Okay. So I worked, I apprenticed under him. He was a rudimentary type technician, you know, price chart type stuff. And I, I learned that. And, um, but I evolved over the years a momentum based method where I would take price, let's say daily or weekly bars or monthly bars, and I would plot them on an oscillator in relationship to certain moving averages. Now, by that, I don't mean overlay a moving average on a price chart. That's simplistic stuff. Everybody does it. It's it's next to meaningless. Instead, I would oscillate price in relation to the moving average to see how momentum was zigzagging compared to the price zigzags. And quite often, it was a different picture. And often, in fact, almost all the time, momentum, whether you're looking at short term to long term, would tend to top or bottom before price would indicate the same thing. 
So it would give an early warning of a trend change. Uh, in 1987, I caught the crash to the downside. And I did it via quarterly momentum, meaning I measured each monthly bar of the S&P and the Dow at that time in relation to the three-quarter moving average. And boy, when you looked at the price chart, all you saw was an upward arcing price chart. You know, it's hard yeah, to yeah, even draw yeah. trend lines. But on momentum, it was a floor. It was a repeated floor over about three years where they come down to the same level in relation to that rising three-quarter average. And they finally broke it in the first week or two of October. 1987, before the crash occurred. The crash occurred, boom, 35% drop in a matter of a week or two. Okay. That sort of smacked me in the face. It said, hey, you know, you, you need to expand on this. You need to apply it elsewhere. Right. So I began to apply momentum to other markets. Now, there's an underlying logic to that that is not technical. It's fundamental. And that's this. We all know that fiat currencies that we measure our assets by, whether you're in Japan using the yen or Euro using uh, Europe using the euro or the U.S. using the dollar, you measure your stock. How much is it up or down? But the underlying unit that you're measuring by changes very fluidly because it's a fiat currency. And as we all know, those money supplies grow like crazy. In fact, over since 1959, the U.S. M2 money supply has basically doubled every decade. So, you know, that means if you own something at 10 bucks and 10 years later, it's it's uh, uh, 15, you're not up. You know, you're down in right. re real right. value terms. Okay. By converting it to a momentum chart and measuring it versus the mean, in this case, let's say a three-year average or a three-quarter average, you're not totally separating yourself from that fiat unit of measure that's a rubber yardstick, but you're somewhat distancing yourself from it by using a mean that is determined by what? The action of the underlying asset. So if you have an asset that's rising sharply, so too will the underlying moving average. So the mean against which you're measuring, like a three-quarter average or three-year average, will rise with it. That somewhat compensates for, not totally, the constant devaluation in the money unit, okay? So you get a different visual technical picture from momentum if you oscillate price versus a given mean. Uh, Ray Dalio of Bridgewater Associates, major asset manager in the world, who's not a gold bug, about six months ago said to people, listen, quit looking at the price of the value of your stock Pay attention to the underlying value of your money unit. He nailed it. He had finally come up with the uh, underlying assumption that we're, we operate on yeah. uh, and have for years. Now, we've done it for about 30 years, and we, we have institutional clients. And we also have uh, – it's a fairly high subscription cost. We have a lot of individual investor clients. Uh, we analyze all four asset categories. That's be debt instruments, stock markets, foreign exchange, and commodities with an emphasis in the commodity area on gold and silver. But anyway, that's the methodology. That's why it, it's different from just looking at a price chart. We think there's a better rationale looking for that. In fact, the Wall Street Journal did an article on us, and I think it was late 2015, 
and they tried to explain our method, but basically they they summarized it in about a sentence, what I just explained over the last five minutes. Anyway. That's precisely why I wanted you to get to do it, because look, it's it's not straightforward. But there's a there's a lot of people who think about things in terms of precious metals. There's a lot of people that want to look at the performance of asset classes versus gold rather than in in fiat terms, because for that exact reason, right? It 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 just gives you a more grounded anchor around which to value assets. Um, but the idea of using momentum ha- has fascinated me from the first time I came across your work, because it, particularly in recent years, you know, where momentum has been such a driving force of just about everything, right? So talk a little bit about the, the, the different timeframes you use and, and kind of how you decided upon those and what the different timeframes tell you. Well, when you measure trend via momentum, you can measure via short-term, intermediate, and long-term. If you're going to measure short-term, which we don't tend to do in our reports, we tend to emphasize more intermediate to longer term. Uh, we don't try to provide day trading type information, <laughs> but uh, you can measure, for instance, the daily action of the S&P in relation to a three-day moving average. And when you plot it on a chart, you know, how much above it that average is it that the today's high, how much above it at today's low, where's the close? And you get, you get an oscillator that looks different from the daily price chart of, let's say, the last four weeks. Um, and that's helpful. That would be the timely tool to use if you're looking for a, a trade that lasts two, three days. You know, you want to sell a top or buy a bottom. But that doesn't tell you the, the, the quality of the, of the trend change. It just says, oh, I'm turning down. Yeah, but it's on a micro level. So right. we tend to look at things, for instance, on an annual basis. We use a, a three-year average or a 36-month average, which is a three-year average that changes every month a little bit incrementally. And we measure, let's say, the monthly bars, price bars, and their relationship to where that average is on an oscillator. And when you plot it, you get a, a, you'll get trend-type action much like you'd see on a price chart. In other words, zigzags up or flat floor, that type of thing. But it will be different from the price chart. So it'll give you a bit of of different information and probably sooner in terms of a downturn or an upturn on that larger long-term timescale. So I I can say with some pride that in our 30 years, we've never missed a major top or major bottom in the S&P. Now, there's some zigzags in between we might have missed, that's true. But using annual momentum, we tend to identify major trend shifts in a market. And we apply that to all all sorts of markets. Uh, Now, if you want to be a a little closer up, you might use something like a three-month moving average, which might generate a swing that lasts, oh, three to five months in one direction but not a couple of years, you know, because it's a lesser time scale. So we sort of fit those together. So we look at the annual trend, the quarterly momentum trend, and a monthly momentum trend, and, and try to fit, well, let's say the monthly might be up, but it's contrary to the annual trend, which is negative. So we have to fit those together. Now, sometimes they all get in sync, and that's when you really have a party. Okay, when the trend is, you know, it's very strong on the upside or very strong on the downside. Uh, right now, we tend to have in the S&P, for example, a somewhat contradictory trend. We think that the longer term momentum of annual quality and even 
full conversation is available to subscribers to the copper and silver tiers of my website, grant-williams.com. Nothing we discussed should be considered as investment advice. This conversation is for informational and hopefully entertainment purposes only. So while we hope you find it both informative and entertaining, please do your own research or speak to a financial advisor before putting a dime of your money into these crazy markets.